Time now for the nationally syndicated radio show, The World of Lori Zook. And now, here she is, the smart, the sexy, the savvy, Divine Miss C. And welcome back to my world, the world of Lori Zook. You know, I love doing the show because we don't talk about the mainstream media garbage that you hear where everything is just entertainment value and who can get ratings. We talk to real people and we talk to my friends and they're all really interesting. And I try to pick different topics every week that will interest you, the listener. So I have with me Lisa Alford. I've had her on the show before. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you, Lori. And we're going to talk today about thyroid problems in pets. Now, Jeff Collins in the studio here was saying pets can have thyroid problems. Didn't know that. Yeah, so why don't you tell tell us about that, because I don't know too much about that myself either. Yes, well, um, yes, um, both dogs and cats can have thyroid problems just like like people can. Um, Dogs generally are hypothyroid, um, which means... When they're having an issue with their thyroid, um, their thyroid levels um, drop too low. With cats, um, they're kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. They are hyperthyroid, and their thi- that means their thyroid levels go too high. Um, I think what we're probably going to mainly talk about today, though, is um, hypothyroid dogs um, because there is an interesting um, link between aggression issues in dogs and um, even low normal thyroid levels, which is, um, is something that I think a lot of people are not aware of. And I've even found that a lot of veterinarians, unless they have a specialty in um, behavior, are also not aware of the link between um, low thyroid and um, and aggression. Now, that's interesting because a lot of times I hear, you know, I know if your dog is, people will say my dog is aggressive suddenly. You know, the first thing you think of is, well, get your dog to the vet. But the vet exactly. has to the vet has to know to check for this, correct? So h- how do they actually mm-hmm. check for that? Um, well, what they need to do um, is run a thyroid panel, um, and what happens oftentimes is if a vet is aware of um, low thyroid causing aggression issues, um, they might only run um, one like section of, uh, of testing for the thyroid hormones, which is just a T4, and they will oftentimes run it in their office. Um, and that just simply doesn't give you a full picture and isn't really the means to um, diagnose whether or not the dog is hypothyroid. Um, what needs to happen is a full thyroid panel um, needs to be done, um, which checks um, all the various um, types of, I guess it's thyroid hormones. There's T3, T4, a few okay. different things. Um, and what I recommend to people is that they send it to one of two places um, for diagnostics. Um, Michigan State um, has will do thyroid panels and they have a whole database of um, varying, um, varying thyroid levels and breeds of dogs and all of that. Um, there's also Dr. Jean Dodd who has specialized for, for decades in um, looking at the link between thyroid levels and, um, and aggression. And she's in California, and it's exceedingly simple to um, have your vet um, take a blood sample. 
and then pack it up, take it to the post office, and send it to Dr. Dodd, um, and she will test it and review it and um, send results back to you, usually in a few days. Um, and what what Dr. Dodd does, um, which I think might even be a bit better than what you got from Michigan State, is um, she she reviews the results based on um, the breed of dog, the age, um, the sex of the dog. Um, it's not just looking at sort of one overall what is considered normal um, for most labs. Um, because even at low normal levels, some dogs um, can start experiencing behavior changes. And this generally happens even before you would see sort of classic physical signs of thyroid problems, which um, is, you know, poor hair coat, hair loss, um, um, lethargy, um, you know, weight gain. Um, and I, I think I had, um, I was just watching the video that you had sent me of Dr. Dodd, and I think um, once they start showing um, physical signs that generally I think about 75% or so of their thyroid is already destroyed. Um, so so you let want me, to catch it before that happens. Yeah, let me Go jump ahead. in. Let me jump in on mm-hmm. that then. So yeah. how, how what sim what should you be looking for? You're talking about like if they're lethargic or if they if you mm-hmm. when is it a good idea to have your dog's thyroid checked? Is it something that should be part of an annual or semi-annual exam, or is it something that you know you usually have to wait until you see signs that something is wrong with your dog and then you're running to the vet, which sounds like it could be too late. I think if you notice behavior changes, and as you said in the beginning, if you notice behavior changes in your dog, you want to take them to the vet um, to make sure there isn't a physical issue, Um, which, I mean, it could be a thyroid issue, it could be pain from arthritis, it could be a whole host of things. So I I don't think that running full thyroid panels um, on a regular basis is necessary. I think you do it at the stage where you're seeing a behavior change that is causing concern. Um, and it can be aggression. It can be, um, you know, hyperactivity. Activity. It can be um, weird phobias that they suddenly become afraid of something that they weren't before. Um, and, and this can be changes in what was previously a completely normal, happy dog. Um, so it's at the stage where you see behavior changes that you want the first test. But oftentimes, if people aren't aware of it, um, they will eventually start seeing the, the physical changes. The good news is, though, that hypothyroidism is incredibly easy to treat. You basically just supplement the thyroid hormone. So um, your dog would be on thyroxine pill or similar twice a day. Um, and it needs to be given twice a day because the hormone... Um, has sort of a life cycle in the body of 12 hours. So after 12 hours, it's all gone and you need to replace it. Um, And it's really an easy fix. Now, how did you come to know so much about it? Because I know that you do a lot of rescue and fostering. Is it a situation that you've had with dogs before? Um, Yes. um, I first became aware of it because I adopted a dog from a shelter and um, he had aggression problems. Um, so I went to um, trainers and veterinary behavioralists, and, and the first thing they always recommended was to run a thyroid panel. Um, so this this is, you know, coming from veterinary behavioralists, just coming from specialists. Um, 
in a way, I was not lucky enough that Tucker had a thyroid issue. He just had issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but I, and then after that, it was something that I, I became aware of. So um, I saw it in um, my great Dane Lucy, who is, you know, an absolutely amazing dog, um, went to rescue events, was a therapy dog. Um, she ended up getting thyroid cancer. Oh, boy. And um, when she had the tumors, and immediately after surgery to remove her thyroid, basically, um, she had weird aggression issues with other dogs that she never had before. And once I got her on thyroid supplement, um, and it was correctly monitored and everything, never had an issue again. Um, I also saw it, um, we had, um, I volunteer with Great Dane Rescue, and um, we had a dog, a Dane mix, who um, had been adopted from a shelter um, by a family, um, and they contacted us because um, he was becoming more and more aggressive in the family. Um, it, it was a very busy household with lots of little kids in and out and everything. Um, so we thought at first it could just be kind of stress-related, um, but it reached the point that um, they wanted to put him down, and they took him to the vet. They did um, do a thyroid test, but they only did a T4, and it came out in the normal range, so they're like, that's it. Um, but um, the rescue decided to take him in, and we did their full panel with Hemopet, and he was, um, he did have low normal values. He um, was put on um, thyroid supplement, um, and he ended up doing great. He um, no longer had any aggression issues. Um, he could be around children again, and he was, he was adopted out into a great home and has been doing amazing for the past two years. So that, that's a so, good, that's a happy story. You know, because a lot of it's people... It's a wonderful, happy story. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people may not may not discover those those types of problems, right? And then, and then yeah. it's too late and they put the dog to sleep. But I'm assuming, my guess would be, the dog would be aggressive because if there's some deficiency there, the dog is mm -hmm. grumpy. He's not feeling right. Exactly. He is, is feeling off and um, not well and... Um, and like I said, it's kind of like weird phobias and such they can have. Um, so they they are reacting to that. Um, there, it's also possible that they can have seizures. So if you have a dog um, that is suddenly starting to have seizures in adulthood, um, run run a complete thyroid panel. No. Yeah, when, last question real quick. When mm -hmm. they run, the, you were talking about like Dr. Dodd and, and Michigan State for sending it in. They're keeping actual databases of each individual dog, so they have something to compare it to. Exactly. And that's the difference between Michigan State and Hemopet compared to other labs that it might be sent to. Other labs just have what, they're, what they have considered normal, which is basically, I guess, like the average of all kinds of breeds and everything all kind of smushed together. It's not specific smush. That's really a technical term there, too. Right. Um, <laughs> I got that. I got that yeah. right. Um, so they're not looking at 
individual breeds, individual things that could affect that particular type of dog. Right. So big difference. Well, you've given some great information. Again, as always, you know, I'll have you back on the show again because you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And, and thanks for joining me today. It's been fun. All right, Lisa, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, and we'll get a quick commercial break. Our highly competitive and hectic world is fraught with dishonesty and challenges. Critical decisions must be made on a daily basis with accuracy when substantial assets are at risk. When you are confronted with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Sharpline Investigations, statewide experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Sharpline's professionals work with clients to conduct interviews, deep background investigations, and develop facts and intelligence related to litigation. When circumstances require confidential and expert fact-finding, turn to Sharpline Investigations, the statewide leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit sharplineinvestigations.com or call 855-394-0042. Are you looking for an affordable way to advertise to thousands of consumers nationally? If you own a business and didn't think you could afford radio advertising, you need to call me, Lori Zook, host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The World of Lori Zook. My show reaches thousands of people on 29 AM and FM stations nationwide, as well as through the internet. Additionally, your commercials will also be heard on my podcasts and throughout social media sites. Don't wait another minute. Call me at 813 813- Seven 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 four nine zero eight eight one three seven 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 four nine zero eight, and let me bring your message to the nation and help you gain more exposure. so glad you stayed with us because I've got a great guest. She's been on the show before. She's attorney Andra Vaccaro, and she's in Los Angeles. Welcome back to the show, Andra. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I know that we're going to be talking one of my favorite topics about how the legal system is broken. And I actually had someone that you know, uh, Kathleen Russell, on last week's show. Uh, She was from the Center for Judicial Excellence, and we, we talked quite a bit about that. Um, I could, of course, give you my opinion, but I want you to go first and tell me, how how is the legal system broken? Well, in my opinion, there are very many different um, areas that the legal system is broken, from the selection of judges down to the resolution of cases. Um, this is such a broad topic. There are problems with the selection of judges. Um, most judges in the country are appointed by legislators so it is a political appointment which means that the judges don't necessarily have the qualifications that they need okay or the proper knowledge um in places like texas excuse me let me clear my throat sure and 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 i'm going to tell you i think that's true here in florida the same thing yeah, it's it's terrible. Like in, in Texas, for example, um, judges don't some like justice of the peace, and other people that are deciding other people's fate don't even have to be lawyers. So, part of the problem right now is there are many judges that that sit on the bench that really don't have the knowledge or the experience or the proper temperament to become judges. We all hear about cases where judges say and do things from the bench that are just appalling and 
I'm sure Kathleen um, on your last show had a lot to say on that you topic. Bet. Oh, yeah. He specifically talks to the family court. But I'm talking about all courts. And not only are judges appointed, they may have some kind of political agenda. Um, there are a lot of judges that are appointed because they get money to run by insurance companies or the health lobby or, or some lobby that has its own reason for wanting a particular just, judge appointed in a particular area. It's just so like it's in politics. It's just like in politics. Exactly. Okay, except for Donald Trump, who exactly. can self-fund, everybody else has the lobbies and special interests, and they really are bought. So the same thing with judges. They're, they're, not, they're not elected. You're saying they're appointed. Many judges are appointed. There are always some judges which are elected. But again, in order to run an election campaign in your major cities, in your major areas, um, you need money. And the only place to get money are from contributors. And usually because you need a lot of money to run in these places you'll have insurance companies you'll have public interest groups all who support the judges now there are exceptions to that rule and there are many judges that who are appointed or who are elected that have the qualifications and have you know merit in order to hold that position but the majority unfortunately as it currently stands in this country, in my opinion, do not. Okay. Now, it's interesting. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are attorneys here in Florida. I have uh, a very good friend who is a foreclosure defense attorney. And what's interesting here is when he represents clients, I, I know that he'll, he'll ask um, – He'll want to find out who the judge is on the case. And the reason a lot of these attorneys want to know, especially in Florida on foreclosure defense cases, who the judge is, is because they know whether that judge is going to be for the plaintiff, which is the bank, or for the defendant, which is the homeowner. And I sit here and I go, yeah, but, you know, that it, there's something wrong with that picture there. Because if, if the, the, exactly. the lawyer is saying, you know, I want to know because it may be his decisive factor, if, if that judge is pro for the bank... And, and against the homeowner, why is he going to want to take that case? Well, there are different statutes in different states. I'm only familiar with California right. um, because that's where I practice. But in many states, there are usually rules where you are allowed to get rid of a particular judge who's appointed to your case at least once. So you have to be very careful when you exercise that because at any point in time, your judge can change. There are jurisdictions where judges, where no particular judge is assigned to your case, where basically you go into a pool and whoever the judge is that sits on the bench on that particular day will hear your case. So in those, those jurisdictions, it's a little bit fairer because everybody gets the chance to have anybody. Um, in most jurisdictions that I've practiced in, um, you get one judge that's appointed to your case, and that judge remains with the case throughout its entire okay. um, lifetime. So that's where you run into the problem. So if you have a case like that and you know judges has previously issued rulings that don't comply with what you're trying to, to do, you can get rid of them. You can exercise a preemption and hopefully get another judge. Unfortunately, again, when you get, you know, take a judge out of your case, 
you may end up with a worse judge because right. basically you go back into a pool and I know uh, downtown in California they have almost like a, a roulette wheel that they spin with the judge's names on it and that's how your judge gets assigned to your case. It's usually just purely a chance. You know, the whole thing is so just... So you never know when you file who will be deciding the case. So if I, if I found out that I was getting a, a judge, and maybe I did my research, and I found out that that judge was uh, pro-plaintiff on almost every case, on 80 or 90% of cases, doesn't that speak to the system itself in saying that that judge is biased and should is not having giving fair rulings? I mean, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you, which is why I believe this, the legal system is broken. Um, there needs to be more judicial oversight, and unfortunately, we have the judges who are policing the judges. And even though many judicial oversight committees also include members of the public and other lawyers and and legislature legislators, unfortunately, it doesn't mean that somebody's going to get something done. No. Um, for many years, there were judges in, on the federal bench here in California that really were, what, in my opinion, were racist. Now, some some people might disagree with me, but you know things were said on the bench that were less than appropriate. No one in those years were able to get this particular judge off the bench. So there are circumstances where people are successful. I'm sure, as I said, Kathleen spoke to to the judge that they're working on in Marin County who has said and done things that make no sense. But it's just it's just what's wrong with the legal system. And, and it's sad. So let, let's turn the table the other way. What could possibly be done? Because if these judges are self-monitoring, which, you know, it's like when the insurance companies are self-monitoring. You can't self-monitor your own industry if you're a company. Then there's no justice at all for the individual, you know. But what what can be done? How can the legal system be turned around? Let's say in, in our good world, you know, which is not reality, of course. But how could it be turned around so that people have a, a fair chance in a system that actually does work? Well, the best way to do that, of course, is you know, again, it starts with the legislature. There, there needs to be better rules, better selection processes. I mean, it, it still turns out that the United States probably has one of the best legal systems in the world where we protect the innocent and we try to only go after the guilty. And unfortunately, like anything else in life, the legal system doesn't always work properly. So what we do is we try to pass laws. We try to make sure that there is oversight over everything. Um, but one of the problems with the legal system in this country is everybody's suing everybody for anything. And that is one of the things that creates the big clog so that judges are overworked. They're underpaid for, for the types of things they do. Some judges could have up to 10,000 cases on there their docket you know the list of cases that they're handling right but there's and no way there's no way that they could get those cases resolved fairly let me jump in here for a second because here in florida when we had the rocket docket with the foreclosures these judges would have you know hundreds of cases in one day what you couldn't exactly. you couldn't slap that gavel if you did one one for every 30 seconds yeah you, you would never get through all of those cases so where is the, the justice that's the problem and that's what i'm that's that's why I'm saying the legal system's not working. I mean, there are so many cases, and people are filing so many lawsuits. 
I mean, which, which leads into one of the other things that I think is broken with yeah. the legal system, and that is insurance companies. Oh, yeah. Insurance companies yep. are notorious when they are representing a defendant to file paper upon paper upon paper to basically churn cases. And I'm not saying all insurance companies do it or all insurance companies' lawyers do it, but there are some that will file ridiculous motions just to run up the legal fees of the poor plaintiff that has to pay their attorney. Right. You know, it's whoever has the most... Yeah, it's whoever has the most money wins, and that's the part that's so disturbing. You know, the truth is, if people actually didn't hire a lawyer to sue and just settled it in some other type of mediation with with uh, maybe a person who's a trained mediator but not an attorney, it could be a lot less costly because once you hire attorneys, I mean, it becomes more expensive, and then you have to deal, like you said, with the, with the judge. If the system actually worked for lawyers and, you know, it was a fair system – um, and you didn't have one with a lot of money and one with no money. How is that fair? It, it's not fair, but That's it works. Problem with, with the system. It, you're talking right. about the greed factor that comes in with people right. because if they're do, if they're represented by a slip and fall ambulance chaser, he's promising them a comfortable paycheck because he knows he's going to get that comfortable paycheck. And once the moral ethics compass stops pointing north. Right. You can't stop this train but from rolling. That's what I have a problem with. Okay, I work in a business. I'm self-employed. I'm moral and I'm ethical, and I I, I try to save people yeah. money. Yet I compete against companies that claim they'll do every single oh, yeah. thing in the world, and they'll charge a hundred dollars a month for one to two years, and charge ten times what I do. Mm. And people fall for it because they didn't do their due diligence. So I see the same thing in the legal system. You've got the attorneys that are legitimate that really want to solve that problem and save the client money, but then you've got the other side, the greedy side that says, "Oh no, let's keep billing, mm-hmm. let's keep throwing more paperwork at them, let's keep working up those legal bills," you know. And right. and that's the part that the me. Right. And, and so, Andre, do the, does the judge ever say, hey, you guys are just doing this to keep charging them money rather than actually solve the problem? Wouldn't that be refreshing? Right. I get, hi- I get well, hyped on this. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's, that's one of the issues that, that I run across all of the time is you'll be involved in a case. You know, I'm a litigator, so that means I go to court and I'll be involved in a case and the other side will file ridiculous motions or they'll mm-hmm. do things so that they don't have to turn over documents or, or other information mm-hmm. that, they, that they know they should turn over. And you, and you go to court and the judge will hear both sides and what the judges always try to do that are good is they try to split the baby. You know, they'll, they'll try to give one side something, give the other side something so that they appear fair. Those are the good judges. Right. And sometimes if you're very lucky and you file a motion um, because you're, the, the opposing counsel is acting improper, the judge will sanction them. Now, sanctions are supposed to basically be a penalty for mm. filing ridiculous statements of fact or ridiculous motions or whatever. The problem is that they never fully reimburse the you know, the party that is innocent. Right. Um, they, they, the judges, for example, let's say you've incurred $5,000 in legal fees to try to get the information to which you're entitled. A judge might sanction the other side 1500 of that $5,000. So in the meantime, you're, you know, you're $3,500 out of pocket because the judge only decided to give you a portion of it. 
So it's very frustrating that even when you win, you can lose. <laughs> you know, it makes you just yeah. breathe deep, doesn't it? Right, because I, I you yes. know, I, I grew up in a very more like morals mm. and ethics and values were very high. I have a very high standard. And people tell me that, you know, why don't you just relax and lower your standards? Guess what? Guess what? I can't. I was brought up with the gold. You never do. Oh, thank you. I was brought up with the golden rule. And, you know, I used to host a consumer advocacy show uh, before this show. And one of my guests was a consumer advocate. His name is Bob Hurt. And we actually did a show on how to sue judges, you know, when there's malpractice involved, how to go about suing judges. It was one of my highest listened to shows, not just on the air, but also um, on podcasts. Mm And it was just very interesting to find out because I didn't know that you could actually sue a judge. Even though it's difficult, you can do it, right? It's very difficult. And as he probably explained to you, there's so many hoops you have to go through. Right. And and you have to be very careful. And it doesn't always work out the way you want it. Mm. And, for example, I'll give you a, a, a situation where, you know, there are lawyers that, for example, in the family court, in Los Angeles, there may be 10 or 15 judges in the family court, and it's the same judges and the same lawyers that, that work with each other. So if a lawyer um, bothers or does something against a particular judge, those judges are going to talk about it behind closed doors, and that lawyer is going to have problems. Okay. So well, counsel, you're, you have you're, to be very careful. You're, you're, talking about touching, you're talking about touching the untouchable. Exactly, and you're that's a slippery slope in itself because, like you say, this could backfire on you and and turn out the way you hope it wouldn't. And judges know that. And I've had a few run-ins in my my time where I wanted to say something but dare not. I I, I chose to shut my mouth, and I knew that the person was wrong. But you don't dare go up against the untouchable judges. So people get scared and they feel intimidated. Uh, in your estimate, counselor, when did the moral and ethical compass stop pointing north. Can you pin this down? I can't pin it down to a time. I can tell you it's because there are, you know, as society grows larger and larger and the amount of judges remains the same, it's just, again, it's, it's supply and demand. There are not enough judges to go around. There are too many lawsuits being filed. And you know, and judges are human beings. If they were robots or something that we know we can put in a certain set of facts and out will, out will come a specific answer or that the rules that there are will be followed, then it's, then what you're talking about could be repaired, but that's just not going to happen. Well, you're talking um, about the... are cutting back. You're Pardon? talking about the, uh, the rules that are supposed to be followed. There is... Uh, Rules, right is right, wrong is wrong. Truth, you know, is a a very narrow path at best, and any other way or words would not be the truth. So what is it that a judge can... Well, truth is subjective. Mm. That's the problem. Right. Everybody has their own point of view as to the truth. You take four people on four different corners and an accident happens in the intersection. You will have four different points of view as to what actually occurred, and all of them are speaking the truth. All right, let me let me ask jump in here and ask you a question. In situations where judges clearly have a bias towards one party and they should recuse themselves and maybe that party you know submits the documentation to say judge you're clearly biased and you should recuse yourself and they don't. What can that person then do? 
Well, you can. You there usually are uh, chief judges that are supposed to make decisions in certain cases, and if you have a judge that's refusing to recuse themselves, and you feel that that judge should be recused, you do have. Um, you can go like the next step up and ask the court to review whether or not the judge is biased. So, you know, are you going to be successful? Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. Again, the system is political within itself. You right. know, there's pecking orders in, in courts, and, and some judges don't agree with other judges. Right. The, and, the and reason I- the system is fallible, I believe, is because judges are human beings. When, they, when they're appointed to the bench, they come onto the bench with their own prejudices, their own biases, their own belief system. Like you said, you were raised moral and, and, and just and to look at things fairly. And we would hope that all judges that are appointed on the bench feel the same way. But we all know they don't. Right. And, and so, I, yeah, and I want to give you an example of that, actually. You know, in, in the foreclosure law, and this is an, an actual case because I know the, the attorney. Uh, in a foreclosure case, the attorney actually discovered that the judge had financial interest. And I'm not sure how it was discovered. It might have been, mut- you know, like a mutual fund, something to that effect. Um, and the, the bank, which was the plaintiff, was, the, the, was one of those companies that he had a financial interest in. And somehow I think he did actually get the judge to recuse himself because he discovered this. And somehow it was public, you know, some type of public knowledge thing. It wasn't like he went digging into the guy's paperwork. So I don't know if you read an article on it, something like that. So that can, that can kind of be an, embarrass, uh, an embarrassment to that judge. So there are lots of judges sitting on the bench in foreclosure cases where they have these they funds have they have a personal interest and yet don't they have to disclose that in a perfect world yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want the world to be perfect though it doesn't work i want like it to be the most perfect world we all do um but unfortunately it it, it 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 goes to white is white and black is black well the truth is one of the things you learn very early on in law school is that the world is not black and white. The world is gray. Okay, and that's so why I have a problem. That, mm-hmm. Right. I have a problem with gray. Right. Well, right there right. In, in itself, we're saying that society is mongrel, that it's not clearly black and white. We, we've faltered and morphed into laws and truths and lies that become bendable where people then could say, well, it works this way. With this judge, and truth will be heard through that one. But if you use this judge, you'll get another truth. And and I don't think that because the laws are clearly written as laws that this it this is the result of this action. But yet, for some reason, we find uh, attorneys, all due respect, counselor, will somehow bend and destroy what is true, and yes. and what is not true becomes true. And for some reason, juries believe it because they're a better actor or because they give a better case but that still doesn't deny the truth. And I agree with you. That's what's wrong with the legal system. The problem is is that the law is 100% subjective because it needs to be interpreted. And two people can read the same thing and have different interpretations. And that is the issue. If judges are human beings, therefore judges need to, like, like every other lawyer and every person, you read a statute. You have to interpret what that statute means in a specific fact pattern. Because remember, when when laws are written, they may or may not have discussions that are posted when the law is enacted. And if the discussions are there, it's great, because then you can interpret what the legislators meant. 
when they passed a certain law. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things I've also learned, you know, from the lawyers, again, that I know is in court, a lot of people don't hire court reporters. So maybe you can briefly just explain before, because I want to go to the next topic with you, but explain how important it is to have a court reporter and why. Well, a lot of courts, which to their credit, um, are starting to tape proceedings. And then afterwards, you can buy the tape. It's much cheaper. It's easier um, than having a court reporter who charges by the word or by the page, which is one of the reasons people don't have them, because they're just too expensive to pay for it to be present in court. There used to be a time when if you went to court, there was always a court reporter sitting there. Now, again, would we rather spend the money on judges? Or would you rather spend the money on having a court reporter present? So it's it, everything in life right now is a trade-off. And so, you know, I always recommend to my clients that they always do something to have a transcript because without a transcript, there's no way to hold the judge or even the attorneys accountable for what's said in court. Right, because if they have the transcript, it can give the basis for an appeal, as opposed to if there's no court reporter, my impression has always been no court reporter, it's sort of the old boys network, and there's no proof of anything that was said, and in Florida, they don't record in the courts, so if you don't have a court reporter, you're kind of done. The reputable attorneys I know, they all say, no, you have to have a court reporter, because that way we can go back and listen and you know look, look through the transcripts and see, is there anything that can be appealed, and no one can kind of do any sneaky business, and that's the part that's really disturbing. I think is the sneaky business. Right. And and while you're in the throes of something, even as an attorney, you know, it, it's emotional for the client because they're, in some cases, their entire life is on the line. You know, like in family courts, this judge is going to decide your future finances, your, your you know, the welfare of your children, and literally where you live. They're, de- they're determining your entire life. So you're going to want to know you know, you're going to want to be able to examine what that judge says to see if there's anything you can do to change that. And without a transcript, you can't do that. But the problem with the system, uh, another part that it's broken, is the cost of filing an appeal. In California, for example, I think it's it's probably up to like $750 or somewhere thereabouts for you just to file the paper. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, people can't afford that's it. That's without the attorney, that's without, that's without ordering all the transcripts. I mean, it is so expensive. Litigation has become cost prohibitive. And it's really, it's really sad because a lot of people who really do need legal redress can't get um, it. Are unable to afford it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, justice doesn't, like Jeff said, justice is not served. Well, I want to talk a little bit about SLAP, which is Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Policy. And I know you've mentioned that to me before. So let's go through what is that? What is SLAP? Okay. A slap is when someone um, speaks freely in public. So, for example, there could be issues of public policy. You're, you're at a po- politician's rally. You, you hold their feet to the fire and you make um, a statement. Or you go on, on a public forum online and you make a statement about some, somebody or something. And then all of a sudden that person turns around and sues, sues you. So it's basically the U.S. Constitution grants every person the right to participate in government and civic affairs. Okay. And it also grants people the right to speak freely, basically our First Amendment right. Okay. But nevertheless, people still get sued 
for exercising their constitutional right. And that's what is called a slap, which is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. Okay, so maybe so, walk, yeah, walk me through kind of the process of how it happens and what, you know, okay, how does it Okay, the way it through? happens is, well, the reason these lawsuits are usually filed are to chill people, you know, to, to prevent people from wanting to participate in or debate, you know, public issues. And, and the, way a, the way a slap lawsuit begins is somebody is sued for defamation, conspiracy, malicious prosecution, nuisance, interference, you know, anything that can transform something that's a, pu- a public issue into a civil lawsuit. Yeah. And the reason that these lawsuits are filed, as I said, is to prevent people from speaking out or participating in issues of public concern. And usually, um, uh, slap lawsuits, slap plaintiffs, you know, people who are bringing these lawsuits, usually they're ultimately unsuccessful. Um, for an example of, of somebody doing something that could lead to a lawsuit is writing a letter to the, to the editor of a newspaper, you know, circulating a petition, um, reporting police mix- misconduct, putting a sign on your property about something that you feel strongly about, reporting unlawful activities, you know, testifying. Um, there's any number of things that people can do, but they can turn around and get sued. The nice thing is that states are finally enacting anti-slap statutes. There's okay. 28 states right now, um, and the District of Columbia and Guam, who have passed laws to protect people against being sued for making public statements. And sometimes even defamation actions, because people are getting sued for like posting something on Facebook or, or, or making the statements to the editor. Um, many people are finally beginning to win. And the nice thing, like for example, in California, if somebody sues you for defamation and you can show that it really is a slap lawsuit, the judge is supposed to dismiss the case and award you your attorney's fees as the defendant. Okay. Which is which is great because that will encourage attorneys, which may not normally be interested in a case because there's really no upside for them or their client really doesn't have any money. That will encourage attorneys to represent them. But what happens because they can get their money back? Yeah. What happens if you can't find the other person if it's an online and you actually can't find them? Well, that's kind of what we were talking yeah. about the last time. Yeah. Um, is what you have to do is you need to file Doe. suit um, against John Doe's. And then you have to basically do investigative legal work, which is what discovery is for. So there's a specific site that, that the statement might be posted on. You would try to track down from that site. You, you would serve discovery on that site once you file your lawsuit. And you would ask them to give you the IP information, you know, the Internet protocol, protocol everything right. you can to identify that person. Then you have to go from there, depending on whether the person revealed their name and address and phone number, et cetera, on that site. Or you may have to go to an Internet provider and say, okay, who does this IP address belong to? But eventually you should be able to track that person down. It's not always, it not always happens. 
And again, now we're talking, though, with slap lawsuits, we're talking from the other side, the defendant side. Right, right. Because people who bring slap lawsuits are people who usually have their own personal agenda. They're trying to get somebody to stop making a public statement about them or about their topic or about their matter of public concern. You know, why don't you see that a lot with politicians or does it happen a lot with politicians? Well, (laughs) politicians finally are pretty savvy about this, but... Um, as you know, I answer questions on a public website um, right. for the general public. And there was a, a question recently about somebody in the um, along the, the southern east coast, uh, I think it was from Georgia, who sent in a letter basically saying, well, you know, I, I published something about this politician and now they're suing me. I can't afford a lawyer. You know, what should I do? And I said, have you looked into the slap statute now? Many states don't yet have them. Okay. Um, as I said, there's 28 states, and so that there are obviously yeah. are 22 others that, that really don't. Well, let me ask um, you real quick. A lot of, you, let me ask you real quick because yeah. we're going to wrap up in, in about a minute, but how do you find out what states have it and what don't? Well, I have, I have a, a, the a list listing. of it. Okay. You can go online. I mean, like anything else, it's, you, it's Googleable. It's, you know, it's it's definitely Googleable, and you need to look under S L A P P, which is the, the uh, acronym for for slap. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you've given great information as always. Gonna have you back again because you can definitely talk about good topics, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. Well, one of the things I do want to mention really quickly, sure. though, to a lot of your listeners, um, is that homeowners insurance policies are great. People should look into them because, for example, if you're sued for something like defamation or anything like that, you may be covered for it in your homeowner's policy. And mm-hmm. what I mean by covered, you may not ultimately, they may not ultimately pay any damages if you have, in fact, done something, okay. but they may provide you with a defense if, you're, if you have a certain personal injury coverage under your homeowner's policy, and that may help a lot of your listeners. Thank you. That's an um, I excellent tip. I also do want to mm-hmm. say that that my topics today are just are not legal opinions but are for informational purposes only right. so that if any Disclaimer. issues that we discussed today apply, apply to your listeners they should consult an attorney as okay. a true true counselor <laughs> thank you so much Andra. And, well, and you you got it right and if, if someone does want to contact you how can they reach you well as i said my name is Andra vaccaro um you can reach me at 310-202-7772. I am a California licensed attorney. I'm also an IP attorney, so I can practice before all of the federal courts um, with, of course, local counsel if necessary. Um, and I am really somebody who wants to help people find their way through this quagmire of judges and legal the legal system. Yep, and you do an excellent job in educating people, and that is what we are all about. So thanks again for joining me, and we'll go to a quick break. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. And welcome back to My World, the World of Lori Zook. And in studio with me is Jeff Collins, and I'd like to do a short tribute um, he hired he's from minnesota he hired a couple of guides in africa <laughs> you know and of course everybody says no no i didn't do anything wrong um but of apparently course. what they did was they they lured this 
lion, this famous lion, out of the park. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Palmer used a bow mm-hmm. and wounded Cecil, supposedly took 40 hours while they tracked him to die and then chopped his head off. Mm. Okay, horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Palmer has not been charged with anything. Zimbabwe was talking about possibly extraditing, but months have gone by. Palmer was in hiding. Apparently now he's back to work. Uh, thousands and thousands of people filed you know, complaints on Yelp. They couldn't keep up with taking it down. But the purpose of this is, yes, we want to give tribute because Cecil brought forth, um, you know, hopefully his death won't be in vain, but brought forth mm-hmm. this issue of trophy hunting. What do you think, Jeff, about trophy hunting? I don't like it. I, I don't respect people that do trophy hunting because most of it is set up and pre-planned. And usually the animals are baited or placed in a situation where they're not in their normal uh, environment. And uh, I, I, find it, I find it appalling that he would do this. But in saying that, I did search on YouTube, and I found that it's very popular. And it's done all the time. And it's done for every imaginable animal on this planet, and most of them which are endangered or close to extinction. So I find it that why would anybody like the good doctor, want to hurt an animal that is already in danger itself of not surviving for another 10 or 20 years. So the, the question is, what type of person is this guy? What Really, what is his psyche? What, what does he think about? Does he get pleasure out of giving pain? And I thought about this, and I realized he's a dentist. So he must love giving pain to people because what is the worst pain one could have. And we've talked about this, but dental, tooth pain, any right. type of dental pain is the most painful that you can have. Sure. But if I'm a patient of yours, you're going to shoot me up with some type of anesthesia. You hope. Right. Well, hopefully, right. That's right. I'm sure there are, you know, little shop of horrors. I'm sure there are, there are, there are some that don't, you know, but you're going now to kill, kill an animal, not with a gun, no. you know, but a bow. bow. And it's not like you're eating the animal, you're using it as a no. source for food. This any guy, of it. You're not using any of right, it. Right. This guy actually, when trophy hunting, and, and apparently a lot of his patients didn't know, but in his office hung all of their heads. But as a result of Which this, is macabre in itself. Oh, 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 God. Can you imagine all those eyes just staring at you and knowing that you took their life? Yeah. yeah and that's the part I find disturbing is that you're talking about the personality. We talk here a lot about mm-hmm. sociopaths mm-hmm. and psychopaths. That guy has something wrong with him. And people who do that for the trof- the, just the trophy to, ho- to kill something large They're lacking beautiful. something in their lives. <coughs> you know they are. They are. They can't be... They can't be normal, and their thinking process is not like yours and mine. They they obviously have a, a need to feed on the um, pain and death of something that cannot fight back. Now, granted, a lion could turn on you, but I've never heard of anybody shooting a lion with an arrow and successfully taking it down in, in that right. moment. That's something that one has to be very good at and something that you use your head. You don't use a bow and arrow on a lion well, you right. can use on a deer but, and but why would you be proud of killing an animal with know. when you have a weapon you know what go in there dr palmer mm-hmm. without any weapon yeah. you know what you wouldn't you wouldn't be so stupid to do that because the lion would eat you up yeah, of course so you you have to he's be, defenseless at that point he yes. becomes the predator becomes prey and uh, you know uh, the the payback should be the hunter should be hunted there's a great way to yeah. end that story you know, the yeah. dentist gets shot with arrow, suffers for 40 hours, and his head is hung up next to his trophies. What a great uh, uh, sci-fi thriller that would be. But 
people that go out and do any type of trophy hunting, there is something lacking in their lives. And you can debate me on this all day long, but you know, and I know, and anyone who has a, has a level head knows that it's wrong, morally, ethically, at all levels of morality, killing anything is wrong. Because there's enough death in this world. There's enough right. horror in this world that we don't need more killing to sate and to satisfy your need for lust of blood. Something is wrong. Right. I, I, I totally agree. And, and the fact that he went back to work, well, you know what? If he has any pay, if you're stupid I was enough wondering. to be a patient to go back there and, and support this man and what he did. And by the way, he was in trouble with the law before, with yes. the bear mm-hmm. doing something illegal there. He had a sexual harassment case. These it's not his first time around the block. Here. It isn't. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping that something could possibly be done. Well, don't you think uh, somebody like that is now losing his patience? And, uh, and yep. I would think that. He should take up maybe clam digging or something because being a dentist and his name, if he doesn't change his name, people will recognize it for years to come and also will be reminded by people. Hey, do you know that you're going to the dentist that killed Cecil the lion? People go, what, what, what? Uh, Give me another dentist. So maybe his payback hasn't happened yet. It no, but you know, I do believe in karma. And, oh, I do too. And what goes around comes around. You know, so all I want. I want to say tenfold. Re- yeah, rest in peace, Cecil. But he he. The, Word a awareness. Lot of death. A, a good thing happens. Yes. In that people are aware now. A lot of the airlines, for example, and freight carriers, they're no longer bringing in any of the trophy hunting animals. Great idea. Killed and things like that. But so. there's always that underground. There's always that black yeah. market, and people should be aware that when you're buying things like furs or rare items or endangered species. All you're doing is adding more fuel to that fire that we're trying to put out. Right, right. right. Well, I want to thank all oh, of our yeah. listeners for listening, and uh, rest in peace, Cecil. And we're over and out, and you'll hear us again next week. Thanks for joining us.